know who we're going to see on Sunday, but that's all the time uh, we have for the Daily Sports Report we're going to run over. So for everybody on the other side of the glass, my name is Mike Lindowski. We leave you with a good night and a go blue. You are listening to your home for Michigan Athletics, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Nixon's vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world. If you hear uh, like you think the ones on what do you call it music at the restaurants or on the elevators? That music is destructive. That music if we had good music playing for people in the happy society on the streets, you know? I feel like uh, my music I have a new record coming out. I was like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I guess congratulations are in order for the uh, successful fundraiser overall. A little short of the goal, but we certainly would like to thank all the people out there that pledged and uh, and the food donors. And, of course, the reliable bakers <laughs> who uh, deliver every day during the fundraiser. Those great folks at Washtenaw Dairy and Big City Small Bakery over there at the corner of Miller and Spring. That's yeah, a big uh, collaborative team effort down here on behalf of all the people who come in extra times uh, to answer the phones, to uh, deal with all the processing. And, of course, a long-distance thanks to Cameron Bothner, who's studying in uh, Japan this semester, but who put in a lot of work before he left to uh, get the computer systems up and ready. So, so it's a big operation. Uh, and you think about it, it's pretty amazing that uh, you can run a radio station uh, like WCBN for as little as we run this place for. Yeah. I mean, compared to what uh, the big, uh, say, WUOM and the big NPR stations are able to rake in in their fundraising drives, uh, it's it's a good show from both the uh, staff down here and the uh, the listeners. 
another good job keeping it going. Of course, you can still uh, pledge on WCBN.org, and uh, not too late to do that. Not at all, and there are still plenty of premia if you do so. So just uh, send in those pledges and get those complimentary gifts. I particularly like the T-shirt this year. Yeah, there were some good uh, designs um, there. Uh, creative folks down here at CBN. But it probably is worth mentioning here, because I don't think we've officially talked about this on Gray Matters, uh, and I thought that at some point during the fundraiser it would be uh, more uh, openly addressed. But, of course, we've been working uh, the last few fundraisers towards increasing our broadcast signal strength. And uh, there's a lot of uh, anticipation for that and listeners calling and asking and so forth. It's not yet happened uh, for a couple of reasons, but it's in the pipeline. It's in the cards, so to speak. The equipment necessary uh, for this increase in signal strength, which is going to take us from the current 200 watts to 3,000 watts, uh, the equipment has already been purchased. It's already been attained by the station. Uh, the difficulty right now is in placement of this because the location of our current antenna is over the Denison building. And uh, at the current strength of signal, uh, it doesn't interfere with any of the U of M departments over there that have their electronic uh, laboratories and workshops. Uh, this new uh, increase in strength is going to uh, interact in a not helpful way with the physics department uh, is what mm -hmm. we've been told. Which is where so the there are some is yeah. sort of the physics department. So there are some uh, current uh, locations being investigated and analyzed and so forth for placement of the new one. Uh, it's very close in happening. So listeners who've been anxiously awaiting this and who've pledged their money and given their money to the station the last few years, it's going to happen this calendar year. You'll yeah. be able to hear CBN well beyond the current uh, range. Uh, and it, it'll be great to uh, give people outside of our signal the chance to tap into what we got to offer here. And, and of course, the <laughs> we probably are going to have to wait, wait till the end of this winter. <laughs> the <laughs> continuing winter yeah. saga. Which, uh, of course, Which, of course, is now you know becoming a major economic story regarding state budgets, uh, uh, the economy, trucking and transport, impacted, uh, yeah. food sectors being affected, uh, the banking sectors being affected. Uh, January was a terrible month for business, no matter what your business was. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's more snow on its way right now for the uh, WCBN listening area. Area we're expected to get four to six inches tonight. Yeah, might happen. They always say weather advisory. Uh, just a quick comment about uh, the winter and driving. I was driving a cab yesterday morning. Uh, we didn't really get much snow. We got the old uh, lake effect, kind of beautiful, uh, fluffy snow that mm -hmm. you kind of can picture when you see a, a snow globe where you shake it up and you see those little... It's pretty. Little, little... Little puffy flakes. Fluffy little flakes. And we probably didn't even get more than an inch, but uh, on I-94, there were dozens of accidents, and it's the same old thing. Uh, if you can't see the pavement, I'm the, I was driving to the airport, the right lane and center lane were fine, but it was the people that decided to pass in the left lane uh, that got into trouble. Mm. They're in a hurry. You can't be in a hurry, and if you can't see the pavement... You don't know what's under that little fluffy snow. And uh, I think one person might have perished because I, I saw a car 
basically on its uh, on its head. Airbags don't save you from that direction, and it was probably traveling at a pretty good velocity mm. when it flipped. Yeah. And uh, there were dozens of accidents. you got to watch the ramps. Be very careful at the ramps. And remember, uh, torque and brakes are your enemy with that kind of snow. And it was the beautiful ski snow that packs right down nicely very fine into into slippery snow and it doesn't it, it, you, you looked at it and you go how can there be accidents in this kind of uh in this kind of snow and it's it's recklessness it's not paying attention under no circumstances should anybody be yapping on a cell phone or texting in this kind of weather uh on the freeway <laughs> Well, and we're we're bound to see uh, some dodgy weather even after this snow tonight because we're slated to get two days of warming. Yeah, uh, I think finally it's Thursday, a nice little uh, blast of. I mean, just last week when we had the thirty-two, thirty-three degree weather, it felt like a tropical heat wave. Once we've seen thirty below with wind chills, but uh, what uh, the, the real concern and, and potential safety hazard is. Uh, there's going to be some meltage, and then boom, another vortex action. It's on Friday, and all that's going to freeze up solid. And so, again, roads that might have been fine the night before are going to be treacherous again uh, Friday morning. Yeah, so pay attention to the weather and slow down, and don't pass you know, on I-94 in particular in that left lane. One thing that I've noticed from driving a number of hazardous cab shifts this uh, winter is that there is a big problem on I-94, uh, pretty much between Michigan Avenue and Rossonville Road. And it's not really the the only explanation that I can give you uh, as somebody that sort of analyzes these things uh, uh, with uh, scrupulousness is the fact that the there's concrete berms in the center. Right. What is happening from a, a meteorological perspective is the wind has been uh, dominant obviously in the in the winter in Michigan from the north i94 is an east west freeway and what is happening is the snow is blowing across the freeway hitting the concrete berm mm -hmm. and kind of bouncing back into that passing lane so it's that left lane if you can't see pavement don't pass <laughs> You just got to go the speed of the cars and wait for a break somewhere else. You're not going to save that much time, by the way. If you if you do the mathematics, you do the physics, you know, regarding uh, rate, uh, velocity, and distance traveled by passing somebody to get uh, to where you're getting one or two minutes earlier than you would have if you'd just been patient. Don't pass in that left lane. Uh, you know, as a night driver, I see the, the Michigan uh, transportation trucks out there dealing with that lane late at night when they can do so, when there's when the traffic is lightened up. And, of course, that's one of the other problems uh, with some of the infrastructure that we've seen from the winter. You know, there are busted water mains all over the country and the Midwest and in the east. I saw uh, some photographs of Syracuse, New York, and their wooden pipes. <laughs> You know, built in the 19th century, and when uh, politicians uh, on of any stripe and economists that have been advocating that we spend money on infrastructure, this is what we're talking about. This is not um, wasted government spending. This is necessary government spending. It's called public works. Yeah, for for a couple of reasons. One, it creates jobs for that community. Uh, if there were some money available, uh, we got a lot of roads here that are going to need some serious attention. 
uh, once the weather permits that sort of yeah. work to be done. Uh, and it you know gives everybody better roads too. And when and when you see, for instance, from a, Har- a Harper's Index, uh, this is dated from uh, last year. Actually, I'm taking this from the good old Funny Times that reprints the Harper's Index. This is probably from uh, December of uh, 2012. That the ratio of U.S. tax breaks to U.S. tax revenue is one to one, <laughs> and we've seen. We saw this tax break issue, by the way, rear its ugly head in the union vote down in uh, Tennessee with the VW plant, mm. where uh, politicians on the uh, on the in the GOP were threatening to withhold tax breaks from v- v- uh, VW if they unionized. And VW said, "Well, we don't care if they unionize; that's up to them. We're not going to obstruct this." So this had nothing to do with VW's corporate, and of course they're a German car corporation. This was narrowly lost, but it struck me that there was a lot of outside money, as usual, creating a massive amounts of disinformation regarding the uh, unionization vote there. Uh, so when you see that the tax breaks are equal to the <laughs> revenue collected, uh, that's why we have the deficit that the Republicans... Uh, didn't vote for again. They voted to default. So, uh, you know, we've taken John Boehner to task here many times over the last year and a half. I want to congratulate him for once for doing the right thing. He said we're going to have a clean vote on this. And sure enough, um, he actually voted to raise the debt ceiling. Uh, most of the GOP in the House of Representatives did not do so. They voted for America to default on its debt. Absolutely incredible irresponsibility on their part. So when Boehner characterized uh, his leadership position as it's kind of like herding cats, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I don't a pointless no, that cats and are this exercise, right? I don't know that cats are this dumb though. <laughs> right. That's the problem. <laughs> we got we got we got to find an animal that's uh, even dumber, as adorable as those gi- giant pandas are. Maybe maybe they deserve to be characterized as that because they're going extinct because three-toed sloths perhaps. They only eat bamboo shoots. They won't eat other food that they can process. So, uh yes, like herding cats um, well, so we'll give we'll give John Boehner credit for at least allowing the vote to happen. He had this uh, so-called Hastert rule that apparently didn't exist. <laughs> he claimed it did, but uh, he finally realized, as Speaker of the House, as a patriotic American, we have to have a vote on this. We have to have it now. <laughs> well, not just as a patriotic American or as Speaker of the House, but as somebody who ostensibly wants to keep his party alive, as some sort of intact functioning entity, um, there will be midterm elections. And uh, if you consistently vote this stuff down, that's going to eventually hurt the Republican Party in a big way. I don't like spiders and snakes. They're supposed to be the business party. (laughs) Yeah. Businesses want this. Well, the thing that's amazing is even the Chamber of Commerce has started to realize that some of these uh, numbskulls and... uh, Hose bags and the uh, tea bag wing of the party are bad for business. Well, this big money, uh, fake populism uh, is it gets out of control. 
gets out of control. And as I like to point out regarding the Tea Party uh, movement, uh, you know, you kind of wonder where they were in the 1980s when Reagan was president and when uh, Bush was president. The deficit has come down under Obama significantly. Those are the actual historical facts. Uh, they're indisputable. Uh, the numbers don't lie. Uh, the deficit was was skyrocketing under George W. Bush because of the tax cuts. The war will pay for itself. And the wars. You know, $4 trillion in these uh, harebrained adventures, uh, uh, which actually I think that, you know, Afghanistan's war can be almost characterized as like herding cats. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a terrible uh, thing, uh, the whole... Uh, Middle East uh, situation, and of course, uh, the region is a continues to be a disaster. Actually, I'll mention real quickly: um, if you're interested in the uh, great Middle East uh, writer and correspondent Robert Fisk, he's got a new piece on Counterpunch.org called "Why Is the World Turning a Blind Eye to U.S. Drone Strikes." Um, he focuses on a gentleman named Kareem Khan, who was held for three days by the Pakistani ISI, their CIA, basically mm -hmm. military intelligence. Uh, for the crime of complaining about U.S. drone strikes. So he's trying to complain to the U.S. Embassy uh, in an attack on his home. His son, his brother, and a uh, family friend were killed. Uh, of course, the civilian death rate in these drone strikes is about one in three. Um, he was trying to uh, go to Brussels to complain uh to a UN body about US drone strikes and that's when he was arrested mm -hmm. he's been released but uh, it's an interesting piece by Robert Fisk it's a new bit of writing by him yeah and he's a longtime um, Middle East correspondent uh, who's worked mainly for the Guardian over the years uh, I actually saw him give a talk a couple of years ago um, here on campus right well it was at the University of Michigan Dearborn but uh, it was uh, he was promoting his new book he, of course, has a very famous book about the Lebanese Civil War. Um, Where he lived for a number of years. He's been mainly based in Beirut, so yeah. he has uh, very, very um, extensive and reliable sources on all sides of that uh, unfortunate conflict. But the sectarian violence in, in Lebanon in the late uh, mid-'70s, mid to late-'70s, an ongoing situation that, of course, uh, resulted in America actually intervening. Uh, following Israel's invasion of Lebanon uh, under uh, the tutelage of Ariel Sharon, recently deceased. Uh, this, of course, led to the creation of Hezbollah. Mm. Hezbollah, of course, was behind the truck bombing of the Marine uh, barracks in uh, October of 1983, and Reagan invaded Grenada uh, 40, shortly thereafter, less than 48 hours yeah. later. Uh, they've of, nutmeg. always uh, denied any connection, but uh, it's pretty obvious that they needed to change the story, as they say. Need a good say. PR story quick. <laughs> yeah, and we need we need to have have it happen at seven p.m. Yeah. Eastern Standard Time, as uh, CBS, ABC, and NBC are delivering. Cameras news. rolling and action, <laughs> action, and then of course the, the the famous thing was that more troops were uh, devoted uh, in the. Uh, in the uh, Grenada in invasion, quote unquote, to keeping the media out mm. from uh, actually dealing with the uh, 22 rifles that apparently <laughs> existed on the island. 
Hey, uh, uninvestigated. Well, you missed some of the fun of the Reagan days. <laughs> yeah, well, the uninvestigated stories regarding Grenada uh, remain to be told. That's That's been kind of covered up uh, very conveniently by the Western media. Uh, kind of an amusing item. I'm. This is, I guess, I'm not going to use the word schadenfreude here, but I don't like spiders and snakes. That ain't what it takes to love me. What Jim, Jim Stafford. That was a great song. Yeah. I always loved that song. Spiders and snakes. Jim spiders Stafford. and snakes. Well, we have a Pentecostal minister who um, used to do a reality TV show on National Geographic who uh, passed away uh, apparently Saturday night after uh, snake bites. Uh, the uh, medical workers received a call. This is from Middlesboro, Kentucky. Um, it's weird because I thought he was in Tennessee, but anyway, it's uh, AP says Middlesboro, Kentucky. Um, the uh, Reverend <laughs> Jamie Coots uh, had been bitten and gone home. Ambulance crew members went to his house where Mr. Coots refused medical treatment, they say, and they left around 9 p.m. They returned an hour later and found Mr. Coots dead. So he uh, liked to play with snakes <laughs> as part of his uh, religious beliefs and uh, paid a uh, <clears throat> steep price. And they refer to the fact that Mr. Coots was caught transporting three rattlesnakes and two copperheads through... Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee last year, state wildlife officials confiscated the snakes. Mr. Coots pled guilty to illegal possession of wildlife and was given one year of unsupervised probation, which uh, well, should more, have been supervised. How were those things being stored in transport? Were they perhaps on his person? <laughs> so we'll give him a brain damage award. Poisonous snakes, uh, don't mess around with them. No, they're uh, not for handling. Uh, they're nature's way of saying, get back. <laughs> or as they used to say about Will Rogers, just show me some rope tricks. Yeah. Rope tricks will be plenty fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, from uh, snake handling to... Uh, rope handling? A, a different kind of uh, poison snakes. I, I know the uh, Bill O'Reilly, uh, President Obama interview was a little while ago. Oh, right, but, the Super uh, Bowl, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I just saw some clips from it. And, uh, it, you know, it's just comical, the uh, arrogance which, with which this guy O'Reilly uh, lives his public life. You know, he's got this book about Jesus that he claims, you know, God spoke to me in a dream and told me to write, about, write a book about Jesus. Yeah, well, he's even interjected himself into the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, ex yeah. exactly. So this guy has got delusions of grandeur. He's probably like that Kevin Klein character in uh, Fish Named Wanda who, like, smells his own armpits. And I can see Bill O'Reilly before he goes on air smelling his own pits. Right. But uh, I, Obama should really have consulted a comedy writer before he did that interview. Mm -hmm. Because you knew O'Reilly was going to misbehave and, and act like a jerk sure. and, and be disrespectful. When I saw the clips, I, I wish Obama at one point had said, okay, Bill, uh, let's take it outside. Let, let, you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're going to go, if you're going to be like this, uh, this is going to get a little dirty in here. So I brought along a loofah mm, yeah. for you to- And a falafel. Uh, and a, <laughs> a loofah and a falafel for you to- you know, settle your nerves with here after the big show. And uh, that would have been 
brilliant comedy. Uh, of course, the uh, loofah and the falafel for listeners too young to remember the uh, minor sex scandal and some sort of sexual harassment uh, charges levied against uh, Bill O'Reilly uh, some years back involving asking this woman about what she did with her falafel in the shower <laughs> or loofah or whatever it is. Yeah, he got them mixed up, I think. <laughs> you don't want to take a falafel in the shower, for one thing, but... Uh, it's melting. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't but, want to uh, eat a loofah. I, I wish uh, the president had consulted a comedian before appearing with a clown. Yeah, well, Bill, Bill O'Reilly is definitely a clown. In fact, that was one of the great attributes of Keith Oberman's show on MSNBC those many years he, of course, was going head-to-head -head with Bill O'Reilly in the ratings game, so he used to take him to task for all of his foolish ideas. And some of his myth-making, one mm. of the most uh, outrageous, of course, is his continuing claim that uh, Americans are attacking Christmas. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude... We we saturate our culture in what are you talking about? way it's too the much Christmas economic yeah. indicator. It's a quarter of all retail sales. Right. I mean, who, who's insulting Christmas in the United States? It's just a, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a, just a incomprehensible concept. And and, and I don't know, even it's know how. It's a load of malarkey, is what it is. I don't know how anybody can take it seriously. That's for sure. Bill O'Reilly, uh, ongoing clown operation on Fox News Network. And, of course, you know, Obama always does this Super Bowl interview to kind of, mm. around the time of the State of the Union, to kind of uh, appeal to the other side, whatever. <laughs> uh, of course, Fox It's was a conciliatory gesture. Doing the Super yeah. Bowl this year. That, that was right. why that happened. And uh, uh, we do want to remind you that you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor like to thank Andrew for engineering. We didn't never got a chance last week to talk about the passing away of Pete Seeger. Uh, one I did of, a little bit while you were yeah, away. One but, of the uh, great... Uh, indeed. Uh, one of the great iconic uh, good guys <laughs> uh, in terms of both his music, his uh, war protests, his uh, fight for civil rights, and his... Uh, against the blacklist. That against the blacklist. Great educator and environmentalist. Didn't name names. Uh, his conviction was eventually overturned, uh, rightfully so. Uh, that whole process was uh, kind of a Bill O'Reilly clown show, mm. <laughs> to say the least. But unfortunately, thousands of people's lives were impacted by the uh, McCarthy-style uh, witch hunts, uh, in which there were very few witches actually found if any. Uh, there were a few, but not many. And Pete Seeger's uh, dedication to environmentalism, another great uh, quality of his long life, and dedication to uh, community activism and uh, speaking up against the government. And on a personal note, I uh, was a graduation speaker at my high school, and I actually sang a Pete Seeger song, huh. a cappella, in front of 5,000 people. Nobody ever forgot that little song. It was called Little Boxes. Oh, yeah. On the hillside. Little Boxes. Made of ticky-tacky little boxes. On the hillside, little boxes. All the same. There's a green one, a pink one, and a blue one, and a yellow one. And they're all made out of ticky-tacky, and they all look just the same. I was making a vicarious uh, reference to conformity, and uh, I liked 
the Little Boxes song for its uh, simplicity, its silliness, but its profundity all at the same time. And there are a number of outstanding covers of this Little Boxes song. So uh, just remember that that was one of Pete Seeger's great songs, yep. uh, along with all of the famous protest songs regarding uh, the Vietnam War. and uh, Peace and human rights in general. Peace, human rights. His whole agenda uh, was correct. <laughs> he gets an okay. And, of course, his uh, dedication to music, American folk music, the fact that he uh, tooled around with Woody Guthrie, uh, learned how to catch the freight trains, as he put it, <laughs> and uh, play for um, uh, money in bars, because Woody said, well, that's how you got to... Hoof it across the nation. That's how you got to make it as a musician. Uh, I apparently, he's got an outstanding book on how to play the five-string banjo, uh, actually published uh, book on the technique of uh, learning how to play the banjo. And it was interesting that he protested the, um, he, he left the group, the, the Weavers, over mm. the fact that they did a commercial for cigarettes, I believe. Cigarettes, yeah. yeah. So uh, his, uh, his uh, you know, his principles uh, always led the way. And it was, I thought that the uh, obituaries and articles in the New York Times uh, from January 29th are particularly uh, well-written. The New York Times' uh, music critic John Perellis uh, leads the obituary on the front page, and there are several articles about Pete Seeger's life. So you can probably check that out online, the January 29th edition of Le the New York Times. A legendary figure indeed, and as you say, one of the good guys. We're out of time. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling coming up next right here on WCBN FM and Arbor. Thanks to Andrew for engineering. German war is at an end. We may allow ourselves a brief period of rejoicing. After the war, new technology revolutionized the electronics industry. Television threatened to destroy radio. But another invention, the transistor, made radio more important and useful than ever. Radio lives today as a vital medium for bringing news, discussion, and music to millions of listeners all over the world. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and you're listening to Yazoo City Calling our weekly show dedicated to early American blues incarnations, north, south, east, and west, broadcasting to you live every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. since 1988. My name is Weston Hughes, and I'd like to extend my sincerest, heartfelt thanks to all of our generous community supporters who called in in the last week and a half and donated. Your contributions keep this music alive and on air, so thank you. Uh, we came very close to our goal, but if you uh, didn't get a chance to donate and you would still like to, you can go to wcbn.org and click on the red Donate banner in the upper right-hand corner. On tonight's program, uh, commercial phonograph records of down-home blues music made from 1926 to 1938. Um, and if you'd like to call and make a request, 734-763-3500. We're going to get started with an artist uh, known as Ben Curry, but billed as Blind 
bogus Ben Covington when he recorded this song in 1928. This is I Heard the Voice of a Pork Chop. <laughs> 